Okay, you have found HSV Progressive again. And um, much to my shock and surprise, I have actually, <laughs> I have actually wrangled uh, Councilman Devin Keith to come on the show and talk to us in particular about affordable housing and what is going on in the city. Um, there's some hints of things and things and stuff, and I thought maybe it would be really good if we could get, I don't know, an inside. Uh, idea about maybe what could happen or is or whatever but um councilman keith would you please <laughs> would you please maybe i mean everybody knows who you are but i'm going to give you the opportunity to introduce yourself give us any particular pieces of information about you where you're coming from uh, uh how you got here if you feel like telling any little stories about yourself now's your opportunity well hello there um, you are such a joy. I've always wanted to do that. I think I've done that from the day. But yes, my name is Devin Keith and Miss Joy, I have not been wrangled. I was wandering in the woods and you found me. And I thank you so much for finding me. And I thank you for the opportunity. Um, as you stated, a lot of people know about me, good and bad. And I'm very thankful to be a city councilman here in the city of Huntsville, but it was never my plan in life. I do not care for politics. I love policy. Um, but born and raised here. Um, have seen it go up, seen it go down, and blessed to now see it going back up. And I think that in a Northwest sense, there's a renaissance going on, very specific to certain locations, especially in North Huntsville. Um, but in Huntsville, as you've seen and heard and gave input on, um, the city itself is um, ascending. In a lot of ways, in the southeast, not just in the state of Alabama, and it's a blessing to be a part of that. And I think today represents, you know, just this conversation represents what I think is the lost, forgotten, you know, forgotten about parts of Huntsville, and mm -hmm. most of those parts include a lot of people, and mm -hmm. demographically has impacts to say the least, but the socioeconomic impact as well as the um, public impact to citizens is never really discussed when you're considered the number one city in the United States. It's very easy to think all things are rosy and beautiful. So to discuss the things that we can do better is why I'm here. And I think you have great input as others, but that is just my goal to be action oriented on the things that are important for the betterment of all of Huntsville citizens. I hear you. Um, so I really asked you here today to <laughs> first and foremost, talk about the, the uh, uh the uh, we'll start with this uh, new position that has been created for an a, a housing affordable housing czar or commissioner or uh, whatever it's going to be called i don't know um, that's a good question i like czar but yeah i don't know what the title <laughs> that i'm pretty sure they came up with a title but yes that just recently got passed father uh, yes and um so the, at the meeting, what was said was that this person would have a lot of uh, meetings and and uh, and this is a paid position by the city, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a full time. It's not an appointed position by the mayor. Did that on purpose. Uh huh. Yeah. Thank you. I hear that. There's a difference. <laughs> I did. There's a difference, and I I think maybe my listeners are starting to catch on to the difference there. Um. So. It, uh, so this person will will actually have input with departments like community planning and the planning and 
community development, I'm sorry, community development mm-hmm. and planning and that kind of stuff. Uh, uh, what do you, uh, so it, it, or have has the hiring search started? Yes. So they put together a blue sheet and basically to back up, the position was created because a program was needed. And we had found funding that we thought the home funds, which is the federal grant funds to go towards housing, as well as the CNI grant funds should be housed in one location inside of the city budget. And then a program should be put around it for supportive, you know, for uh, community-based support um, to get input about how that money should be used. Well, I thought, hey, if we have a music director for the city, Matt is awesome. Um, we absolutely not only need a housing uh, developer coordinator czar, um, we need a budget that is attached to that department. So this person will actually have budgetary power to make decisions around affordable housing, accessible housing, and homeless housing. So what are the criteria that are in in mind for hiring this person? If it is my choice, it's not my choice. But uh, you do want somebody who has a wide range scope particularly coming from a market that has dealt with federal grant funds and metro area zoning regulations and, you know, done feasibility studies. I think a lot of people think it's just like you go build a multifamily home. It's just not sometimes zoning won't allow it. Sometimes, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, financing won't allow the list goes on. So somebody who's had a history of doing that, you're probably going to find that in much bigger markets, the Atlanta's, the Nashville's and all that. Yeah. But the other part, too, is that they're going to have to have a lot of awareness of um, secondary supports, third level supports, social service supports. Um, When you think about building housing, um, one thing that Habitat, as an example, does very well is that you have to go through a six week course and learn about the importance of healthy home habits before you get the keys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we can't just throw money at developers and say, hey, go build affordable housing and then make the rent this level because the people that move in potentially wouldn't have the knowledge of that. And then, and you know, I hate to use that term because the people, people assume these are like poor people. No, these are like people who have single jobs who don't make enough, such as teachers, mm-hmm. to have housing in very specific locations that are locations by which are close to their work, as well as locations by which have economic value. If you were to tell anybody to go build homeless housing randomly in a field off of 65, it would be really cheap, be really easy, won't be productive. So it it is a, not to mention mention that all the other things that would happen to them (laughs) because they were isolated and made, you can target them for various and sundry ways if you separate clearly like that anyway you know what i'm talking about go on you know i agree and, and most people wouldn't agree to the program either you know most mm-hmm. people who are um either homeless or can't find a uh, house the reason that they live in certain locations is because it's amenable to the lifestyle that they want to live whether that is near a library for wi-fi or restrooms mm-hmm. the list goes mm-hmm. on so it's important that this person understands the complexity of process and that, you know, Huntsville, it's just so crazy to me that I, I think people think in this like cloud world, a lot of Huntsvillians think everything everywhere is good in Huntsville. Wow. It's just not true. 
yeah uh um yeah <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> i know when we got named uh in all this hoopla about huntsville's the number one city and everything i was one of the people carrying a sign that said number one for whom you know yeah 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 and in the aggregate you can hit a number of spots that fit in the bell curve of things, right? You can fit in a, a mold that attracts a certain type of people and a certain type of family. But if you're creating a home for some, then that means that the others who don't feel that they're at home need to, they don't need to pay taxes. They don't need to abide by the same jurisdiction. Like it's not a pay to play city. Everybody is considered a citizen who is in the realms of the city limits and they should see a return on their investment. And, that does not mean that every return is objectively uh, building a mall next to your house or an amphitheater. That also means that sometimes that return is specifically having the opportunity to make sure that the most vulnerable, and especially in certain locations, not only the most vulnerable, but the housing in certain locations allows opportunities for those who are of the work in poverty to have a place to call home, that their kids can go to certain schools and certain feeder patterns. Well, uh, so uh, this, you know, this brings to mind a couple of things to me. One is the, the, the home, the housing advocates who, uh, the homeless advocates who um, preach the housing first. Um, yes, ma'am. Uh, 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 which you're just talking, if, if we can find them a home and it just helps everything else get better. You know, yes, ma'am. And I mean, especially if you if you've helped them, you know, learn how to have a home like you're talking about, you've got right. to like Habitat does. You got to pass a, a course and 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 you got the secondary services coming along, helping you right. making sure that you can keep it together. Um, that's community. The other right. thing that that when you talk about this kind of stuff that it, it, it I can't help but think about. The social contract. You're just right. talking to me about what government's supposed to do. That it's, that's the contract we have with our government, that they take care of the people that are governed, you know? Uh, so that I, th that's, 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 yeah. that's near yeah. to my heart. You know what I'm saying? Agreed. I, and, and I think the consideration to sort of hold on to with that is, when given a certain amount of money, you know, the governmental budget, how do you look inside of the pie and find equity for issues? Because it is easy to double down on success. It is easy to dump money and polarize a community. But what I tell people all the time is polarization of a city, the tale of two cities in a sense, will have negative effects that outweigh the original investment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't, you know, like when they broke up the gangs of Harlem, you know what I'm saying? Or when when they you went through and criminalized all of Chicago, you have a you have to now take decades levels of work to fix the, the institutional effects of that. And Huntsville is very blessed that we're on the cusp of that consideration where we still deal without a doubt with social constructs. You know, people think whatever they think of Northwest Huntsville, like it's just Beirut, and it's not. So <laughs> I know, but it doesn't they, because they think of it like that. There's a certain uh, it's not, but there's still a certain fallout from the from their 
perceptions. Yeah. I think that that's because the government did not do a jo- its job of correcting that perspective. So to think that there isn't a blatant, the most blatant, I think, right now that's happening in Huntsville, obviousness of that is the administration in the past six years have spent tens of millions of dollars on governor's drive. Uh-huh. If you were in Huntsville for the past 20 years, you did not live on Governor's Drive. No. You didn't go down to Seminole. You didn't live in Five Points. It was not what it is now. Well, when gentrification is initiated, whether for good reason or not, that renewal argues that when public dollars are pumped into a place, it changes. And it did. Uh-huh. So if that's the case, you can follow that same metric to do those same level of public dollar infrastructure pumping into you know considerations of homeless first housing and uh-huh. affordable, accessible, and other social structures, because we just saw that if you put the right structures around it and the right amount of money, it changes. Yeah. So yep. what yep. you're trying to do is basically convince people to care about a, a, an intangible social structure of a city because it's going to have positive impact. Well, I, you know, speaking of that governor's drive stuff that's going on, and you, you guys are working on this. Uh, what is it called down there by Low Mill? What do you guys? Choice call neighborhood. It? Choi- choice. It's a choice neighborhood, neighborhood, but you gave it a name. What's it? it's a Mill Creek. Mill Creek. That's it. I knew it had water in yes, it. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I'm I've just been really um impressed, um, by the doggedness with which, in particular, Shane has continued to say it's going to be a mixed income development. It's going to be a mixed income development. And and that seems to, and maybe that's part of how you get the grant from Choice Neighborhoods or, or whatever's going on. Um, I don't care why. I think that's a really, really good direction for Huntsville to be moving in, in general, that first of all, that people here mixed income neighborhoods and understand, start to understand that that could happen, that that's not necessarily right. a bad thing, that uh, that uh, that it, you, uh, you use the word equity and you use the, the word polarization and how do we get from one to the other? you know, sort of things. And why even if North Huntsville is not what it's perceived to be, if it was more mixed income, the the perception would have to go away. Because, and and, I mean, there's so much, if you build a, a, a mixed income, see, there's no not in my backyard room. Right. Everybody's in on everything, you know, and and the polarization has to start melting away because they're your neighbors. Um, Yeah. So you go back to like Rome, polarized cities never worked. The poor side of town never lasted. It affected the whole community and riotous living came out of people feeling like I'm not getting my fair share of the pie. Mixed mixed income communities, mixed housing communities have been the perpetual success stories throughout the world, right? Um, And I think the value that we have to consider is, again, I'm so proud of Shane and his department, this game with some nudging, um, is that right now in Huntsville's lifespan, 
geographically, there aren't that many chances to do it. Yep. You can't go to Hampton Cove anymore and drop yep. a affordable housing complex. However, you can't go to what's gonna happen with the Drake Farm big thing? Is there yeah, I mean, any chance that that planning could be talked into saying that this has to be mixed it, housing? No, because you can't you can't yep. stipulate a person a, a completely private property. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you would end up going to court. Yeah. Um, I think that the like I said, when Hampton Cove happened, because we put the infrastructure out there, we had a chance to do it because uh-huh. we own leveraged and made a lot of that property what it was uh-huh. but it's the same thing that like <laughs> zoning is very important the other thing to consider is you know these are locations where students from mixed income will go to different schools and the more that you try and put affordable and accessible housing in north huntsville and you polarize the location same thing happens to the school system and mm-hmm. the right i mean a good example is the ridership of our transit system. Uh-huh. 70, 70 plus percent of our ridership is located in two zip codes. So that puts a structure of understanding that the majority of the people who live as working poverty, working, paying a bill, going back to work to pay the same bill, don't have mm-hmm. excessive discretionary income, live in a singular location, and they're limited by the places that they can live. And again, going back to the free market argument, if you are saying that the people who pay the same rate of income, they say they pay the same taxes, me and you pay the same taxes when we go buy a candy bar in Huntsville, mm-hmm. aren't getting a return on their investment, that is wrong. That is yep. the urban renewal all over again. Yep. So, you know, this is this goes back to King and housing in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? The poor man's world is controlled by small city council members and mayors. And I keep yeah, telling all, people. All, all politics is local. <laughs> that's it. That a small amount of people control so much money. I mean, a half a billion dollar budget is controlled by five individuals. Yeah, that's that's one weird thing. Uh, that's about our the structure of our city government that I mean, look how big the city is, but our 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 charter or whatever the heck it is, we're stuck with five councilmen. We can't correct. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> but see that, that it's it's a catch twenty two because of, and I just got to argue with somebody about this because Huntsville developed the way it did. You're gonna have it's a dang if you do, dang if you don't. If you make seven council member seats, then that means there are two rich districts. Because the way the city is polarized, we'll have two poor representatives mm-hmm. and two mm-hmm. rich representatives. Mm-hmm. And we all know, you know what I'm saying? We all know mm-hmm. where the mayor's going to come from. We all know where the money's going to come from. Mm-hmm. It, it is the telltale sign of Southern cities. Right now, in most Southern cities, the suburban sprawl of white America post-integration made all of the outlying areas so wealthy. Yep. Happened here. People don't want to talk about it. Madison well, City is a byproduct and, of Southern Sprawl. And and I that, that speaks to the um, public transport transportation usage too. The people who can yeah. afford to have crikey five cars, you know, sometimes right. <laughs> one right. for every kid and everything. They're living where they can afford to keep those cars up and and keep gas in them and you know keep using things like that. 
they're i don't know yeah. they don't live on the same planet with me <laughs> me neither i get a call from them i know <laughs> I, I, I um so uh, you know so speaking of public transport transport um i this our our affordable housing czar or whatever you're talking about secondary uh, keeping it you know the pulse of the secondary uh, sort of inputs i assume that that would also mean our, our public transport system right without a doubt and uh, yeah. again i think the the person that's why this person is such a they're gonna, it's not gonna just be them they're gonna have to build a team yeah but the person will have to have a large amount of capability um yeah and so, uh, you know, the, I wanted to ask you too about: Do you think there that we're going to actually build a whole commission about affordable housing or the how housing? Yes, sort of. Oh, yeah. That that this with the size budget, this 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 budget will probably be one to two million a year. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So you'll have to have a council selective commission that okay. will decide on actions and. See internally, I, I I like that you went to the effort of saying a council selected I did, commission i i'm gonna just reiterate to to uh, my listeners they've heard me talk about this before that the city council is the legislative body that that it represents the districts is a much more democratic entity yeah. than having the mayor do it who's just administrative you know overlord you know <laughs> and that you're right. i promise you you are not as close to the mayor as you are to your city councilman you and know never will and the city will never be because fortunately as a nonpartisan position the flexibility of a city council member is to only be motivated by the will of the people where if you are in congress you you're actually tied to your party yeah um and i think the value of people understanding even your county commissioners I get more contact in people of concern. I have a state rep in my district. I have a state senator. I have a commissioner. And I have a mayor who all represent this one person. But I get the majority of the concerns. Uh -huh. So it's it's a very, the telltale sign, I think, of a productive local government is when the city council sees a number of three, two, four, one votes. Where... They just disagree, but things get done. That's a productive city council. Uh -huh. um, I, th I think when it's a mayor-led city, it's a lot of 5050505050. Yeah. Because it's just not a, it's not a reality that every part of the city all the time uh -huh. agrees with the action. Well, and this is, and this is but you guys pass things 5-0 at city council all the time. Right. Not to mention right. great swaths of that item 20 that get passed on consolidation that don't get discussed or, you know, anything like that. Yeah. But, ask and, about that. Now, mm -hmm. To give clarity, a lot of that is, you know, officially administrative work. We have to pay people's payroll is in there, pay their travel experience, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I get, of, I get yeah, a bunch of yeah. that. Um, um, although that doesn't. I, I that doesn't mean that the public wouldn't be interested in hearing about those things though. Yeah, there's a number of public who are interested if we're using the right type of roses on the parkway. That's a true question. Um <laughs> crate mothers. I think that the the interest of the public can be sought 
through avenues of departments, uh-huh. you know, just to get the if you have true interest and then you let your council members know. But I think that there are distinctive items like the one we're discussing where they were held, they were discussed, they were mulled over. We have one about police. I mean, even I voted against the last police chief, and that is very uh-huh. rare to see. Uh-huh. Um, the list goes on. I think that uh, uh, the uh, mayor uh, veto- tried to veto my amphitheater. Uh, I know, God. So, I, I can't tell you, Devin, just today I read something about how what a great idea Tommy Battle had in pulling that amphitheater. And I was like, uh, right. what? Yeah, nobody <laughs> tells the whole story. And <laughs> anyway. And that's what comes with like, it. And I think the big thing is like um, the, the the best version of democracy is a filtered echo of the people's wants and concerns. And the reason I say filtered is because people don't know the ins and outs of the budget of the city. And they're not yeah. supposed to. That's what your job is. So yeah. you filter it with that understanding. Yeah. Um, um, and... I do, you know, I w- I sat through, uh, what was it, last year or the year before when you guys had the votes on getting a raise and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff for the job that you do. I'm, uh, I am I wish you guys got paid better, that it, you actually got paid enough that this was your full-time job <laughs> yeah. and that you this is what you did, period, you know? I think yeah, that's I think totally that's appropriate. The- that, and and it, it, you pay somebody enough, they're corruption is less likely to happen. I'm not saying That's it exactly is happening, it. but no, no. I, uh, but it, right. it, yeah, it, it is it, again, perception is worth something, you know, everybody. Um, so again, if it, if it relates in the private industry, if it relates in the preaching, all the above, the public sector is no different. What I tell people is if you get a part-time city councilman, he will have part-time concerns. He will have part-time interests. She will have and part-time this, perspectives. This is how this state is run. The whole state it's house exact, is part-time. That is exactly. It's part-time. And, and, and with business, filled up with businessmen. What do you think they go down there wanting to do? But bolster their businesses. Yeah. That's not. That's not. That's not really democracy to me you know no no and i think the role like i said people the mayor might disagree he never gave that money back he got a raise he got a tremendous raise Ugh. some fifty thousand dollars and he was and not- I, mm-hmm. he's speaking <laughs> against it but what i would say to people is you you, you would be hard pressed hard pressed to find let's just say out of 10 random people in the city of huntsville that they can name their county commissioner the county commissioner is a full-time job mm-hmm. with a pension, a state pension, mm-hmm. car, phone, gas card, all the above. And I ask people all the time, name the last thing your county commissioner has done for you. So we have like frivolous of official positions, which county commissioner made a lot of sense in this rural of Alabama back oh, in the yeah. day. Back in the day. I know. I yeah. remember when I lived on a farm in North Alabama, um, which is, you know, maybe part of uh, probably a big part of where my environmental sense comes from. But I used to write to the county commissioner about, you, you know, can we get a soil test? You know, stuff like that. That right. and And I have tried writing to my county commissioner um, about um, it, uh, 
<laughs> about things like, well, I just read that this is a good kind of plant to plant here and stuff like that. Or this is a good way, of course, that the city of Huntsville is taking over the entire county. There isn't. That's my point. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that 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 is the perspective I share with people when they think about full time. It's that you have somebody who is paid full time. They're paid more double, double what I'm paid and they're full time. And they have the same. They have actually more jurisdiction in their in their area than I do. Uh huh. And they get less of the expectation. Yeah, yeah, you're right. People don't even know what they're up to. Um, yeah. I try. I try to report on what I know about. I watch the meetings. I know there's a there's a work meeting this week on Wednesday right. afternoon. Right. I'm gonna if it's broadcast. Or I might try to go to it. Um, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> not. Well, I'm thankful that you're aware. And they're also, that's not nonpartisan. Right. That's the point I'm trying to say. They have to uh, it, the party in a lot of That's ways. right. And they're stuck. <laughs> they're getting more. Well, maybe that's why they get more money because it's not nonpartisan. And I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get it. I know, and it, it is. Uh, I um, but I did want to, you know, I too do totally uh, that whole thing with the salary. You, I wish that we had city councilmen that this was their full time job because there's plenty right. to do in this city. Speaking of the social contract, holy moly! Um, yeah, I, I do. Uh, let me uh, before I let you go. Um, can mm -hmm. I ask you about zoning? Right. I, I don't I don't know like I I'm just an amateur at this and I don't I have like I do have not just a full-time job but I consider that I have about four jobs amateur. you know <laughs> yeah you're not um, an amateur at this you're well informed well it, I'm still an amateur because I don't I don't have resource yeah. source budget in time or money or anything and I'm definitely not making any money doing this at all right. so that makes me an amateur okay um, no, I, I agree Okay. Um, uh, so I don't, I can't, you know, you guys are constantly, there's zoning stuff coming up and I've been to some planning commission meetings and they talk about zoning. I don't understand all the zoning codes. Uh, is it, you know, is there a, a nice page out there on the, on the city's website that explains this is what residence one a means. This is what yeah. residence is there. I'll make sure you get the link. They yes, just, they recently the updated link. it all. And it's, oh, it's, okay. It's a really succinct way of saying it. And I think that's, I'm glad that she said that because uh, it, that is, that might be the most under discussed issue in most. most well, um, I want to discuss a, in, at least yeah. a little bit right now. How hard is it to change the zone zoning code? It, it might as well. <laughs> it is, it is the Supreme court. <laughs> oh, great. It's crazy. It is because that's most... not particular. Uh, you've already mentioned it in talking about affordable housing. That right. You you, you can't like you, that's dwelling you, structures, short term rentals. I mean, only certain parts of the town allow for you to even get something done. Yeah. And you give so much ownership to supportive, like in circulating, um, you know, surrounding businesses can come and. Um, when you try and go for a variance, they can speak again. It is, it's crazy. The private right law of Alabama gives ownership to everybody but the owner and the city. And it is, it is written in a way where control 
um, lies in the power of like two or three people. You know what? This sounds like a, a holdover from Jim Crow or something. Can I just say? Well, I mean, is it that is. this private redlining is a real thing. It happened. It happened here because busing wouldn't be necessary if it didn't. So uh. the value of knowing, especially in impoverished communities, is that I'll just use this as an example. Mm-hmm. Terry Heights has the same square, average square footage as five points, mm-hmm. right? The only two differences is the zoning in the school system. It is the same house by value, a mile and a half down the road, goes up $200,000. Well, and you know, I've been here long enough that five points wasn't all that. Oh, I have two. That's why I'm saying that five points had all of the ingredients to develop itself, developers to develop it. Yeah, and right. I think, uh-huh. yeah. So you go out to Hampton Cove, they zoned it in a way where you can't get affordable housing out there. There's no multifamily rule. You know, and it, it again, it's an exclusionary level and it's not yeah. an inclusive level. Yeah. And, and I what remember, I tell people... Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say, I remember, I think it was last year in a public comment um, that somebody came into town to make about how he had moved out north of town and, uh, you know, he was all for uh, multifamily dwellings. Just don't put one near where he had bothered to move away to. And by the way, it was um, a, a religious leader who said that. Yeah. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. And it's, you know. (laughs) Anyway, uh, whatever that has to do with zoning. Okay, I'm going to calm down. No, you're right. (laughs) I would just say in in conclusion, in zoning perspectives, people need to understand that cities went through decade level, generational impact level decisions in the 1980s, 1970s, 1960s that were motivated by purely, purely by race and money. Mm Mm-hmm. And if we do not have a review of that, if you don't circle around and ask yourselves what negative impacts did it have, the city's not doing its due diligence to a community. You cannot tell me that when you exclusionarily, because we are literally under a DOJ desegregation order, create a zoning system that looks at the majority of white communities going to a specific school and blacks going to a specific school. And then inversely, you overlay that with the amount of money that a public institution such as our government puts into the white side versus the black side. Do that for 20 years, do that for 30 years. Well, what did you think was going to happen? Yeah. So zoning alleviates that by saying you can build affordable, small homes like in Terry Heights in Hampton Cove. If you can buy the lot, you can build it. So inversely now what you're seeing is we change the zoning in um, low meals, and now mm-hmm. you're seeing these humongous 4,000 square foot homes. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it is um, the complexity of people on city council and leaders having to say, I am aware that this city benefited from it. institutional decisions. Again, these were not motivated by some like esoteric George Wallace and, and a fire and a bomb. You know what I mean? These were like at a city council meeting 
we're going to make this area the rich place and make this area the poor place. Yeah, and as and and somehow they must have thought that Huntsville would come out looking good because of it. Well, yeah, I mean, what, and, and, and it goes what, back and, to and what lo part and of behold, we got the number one city, right. you know, but for whom? Right, for whom? Yeah. Right. There's a there's a percentage of people who don't have the economic opportunity because of simply because of decisions that they were not aware of and couldn't have input on. Yeah. If you were well, to tell, if you were to tell black people today, if you were to tell black people, we're going to make sure that you're able to stay in low mills because we know in 10 to 15 years, we're going to pump hundreds of millions of dollars in the governors. And we want you to reap the economic benefit from staying there. Mm -hmm. They would have stayed. <laughs> would have stayed. Yeah. You, you don't, you don't structure a deal to not tell people. Well, it, you, know, you know, I'm, um, uh, well, I'm gonna, <laughs> if you get, did the same thing to, um, farmers. Right. If they, you were to tell them about their land, their, their land that, possibilities. That we're going to be behind you to stay farming here. Right. Yeah, we would so be losing the, all of our farms. Right. And I think, I, I think the value of making sure that we, have considerations, especially for industrial places like, um, you know, out where we'll just say Toyota Mazda is and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, but so, but I, I kind of hear you saying that as much as it's impossible to change the zoning situation for Huntsville, we need to. It's not impossible, but it just takes the collective work. So, I've, I've been able uh, to do it collective for collective work. So, it, it, so um, um, it, you know, like I've, like I said, I've been to planning commission meetings, and right. who the people. My impression of the people sitting on the planning commission are um, developers and real estate people. These are not people that are going to yeah. be motivated to zone things affordable. Yeah, I'm not. The planning commission is an impactful board, but I mean, a city council can. Get, I've been able to get done what I wanted to get done. Okay, so and I, I think it's, so. It's, is that what it takes to get it done? To talk to your city councilman? Is that what and it your takes? Mayor. I mean, I always forget okay. that people somehow people think Mayor Battle doesn't represent. He literally represents everybody. Uh huh. He is. He is the people's voice. If you think about but, it, but the, to the president zoning, is elected to go to. Uh -huh. he, he can cool. make a proposal. Uh -huh. The mayor makes recommendations every other Thursday for the council to consider. That's why it's okay. called a city council meeting. Uh -huh. He doesn't have the power to vote on anything. He's never voted in a city council meeting. He only has the power to, to, to veto the, the the proposed salary increase. <laughs> yeah, and even you know <laughs> the good thing about local politics is his veto is not a no vote. His veto is a revote. So it mm -hmm. passed because. He was just like, I'll keep doing this and I'll look stupid. So, <laughs> he, you know, again, it's he does other the things power that, of the president. No, never mind. I'm not going to say that. <laughs> yeah. The power of the president is that he actually has executive order power. So he can yeah. actually command something. The mayor can't command anything. He has a struck. He has a structural administrative power to like, yeah, this is when we're going to open up this gym type thing. But if you can get people to advocate to three council members in the city of Huntsville, everything, anything can happen. I hear you. Okay. That's what I wanted yeah. to know. If, if we, if, if we 
wanted to put a push to change zoning. So which which is better to to pick a place and say we need to change the zoning in this place or should we push for changing the zoning codes? Just well, rewrite. Yeah, you, start with the, you have to you have to start with the codes. Okay. You can't pick a place because that's dependent on so many factors. Okay. If you I mean if you add a zone, we're up to a C7 now. So if you add a C8 and you say, now that we have this zone, let's use it here. Let's use it here. You have to get the zone and rewritten first. Okay. Well, I mean, that's some yeah. information. Good. Yeah. And, but the per the people to talk to are your city councilman and the mayor about it. Absolutely. Okay. Planning commission can only respond. They, they're not really doers you want a group of people who can say this doesn't sound right or, well i know they're right. they're to me from my perspective the planning commission is kind of more not doers <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying you gotta <laughs> you, know, you gotta talk to they're the anti-doers <laughs> right they're just yeah, they're, they're, I, they seem to just sort of facilitate what comes to them like okay this has come to us so now we we are gonna look at the road structures or if we need to do a new lane for a turn lane and or that kind of stuff you right. know is is it going to work to do that there what can we do to make it work to do what you want to do there you know instead right. of going should we do that there <laughs> right you know <laughs> that's that's the question don't get yeah. Bill cling on that because he'll like anyway but yes <laughs> well, anyway, I, I've taken up enough of your time, and plus, no, I got I got to work. So, uh, <laughs> you're some awesome. of us, well, I thank you. <laughs> some of us have to work a lot exactly. to keep their house, you know. But anyway, yeah. Um, I do. I appreciate so much you're coming on and talking to us about this, and maybe we'll uh, get together again and talk about some other hot button topics. Police, police, police. Yes, all right. <laughs> I, I thank you so much. And I think that um, if we can get some time, probably, you know, I know we've talked about it and this is on your podcast. That's fine. And talking about the, uh, not just affordable housing, but the, thank you. Uh, the commission that is being put together on um, sustainable housing. I mean, sustainability. Sustainability. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, sure. That'd be um, great. Uh, have you heard if it's thank coming you. Have you heard if it's coming back up this week at City Council? It's coming. It's, it's coming up at the end of the month. The, so that one, okay, cool. Yes, well, uh, uh, excellent. We'll we'll see what happens, and I would love to talk about it and what what their duties will be and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally wonderful. And but yeah. it is there are going to be people on that commission that are appointed by City Council, right? It's not going to be completely yeah. mayor appointed, right? Correct. Seven. It was the first way it was two, written. It was unclear. Five. Yeah. Oh, it was bad. Yeah. 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 No, I don't think that's how it's going to be. So. Okay. All right. Cool. You are the greatest, and thank you. <laughs> I'm not the greatest, but anyway, you're welcome, and thank you for opinion. coming on. Yes, right. you're crazy, but okay. <laughs> I am. <laughs> All right, then. I'll see you. I'll talk to you soon. Right. Bye. Bye.